Nuclear. Now is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus. And we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. Uh, today's word um, is, well, pretty simple for me. Uh, it's spelled hyperbole. It's pronounced hyperbole, H-Y-P-E-R-B-O-L-E. Uh, this is something that uh, feels a lot to me like when we talked about segue, which is a it's a word that people know, but when they see it in print, they may not necessarily know that's the word they're looking at. Um, exactly. They're, they're, it's one of those number of words that very literate people have read and understood, but they don't know that how to pronounce it. It's it's and they might hear the word hyperbole, but they don't know that that's hyperbole. In fact, the uh, Prime Minister of Australia a few years back. Julia Gillard actually pronounced it as hyperbole and was roundly castigated for that. Well, interesting, because I looked that up because I was curious because I wanted to find the exact quote. But I found that just about a week ago, uh, the treasurer of Australia said hyperbole as well. It was roundly castigated. I guess Australians have a problem with that word. So maybe it's an Australian thing now. Yeah, those Aussies. Well, that makes me feel like she was uh, reading a a. Uh, speech that someone else wrote for her and she hadn't uh, read it out loud, at least in front of another person before. I I actually don't know. I, I just know that she was she was tended to be a, a verbal gaffer. I mean, she instead of saying high dudgeon, she would say high dungeon. Um, she would use tenant instead of tenant. So which makes me suspect that it's just one of those things where she just had a, a, a nasty habit. Interesting, um, yeah. I know that Simon Cowell, he of, of what was he on? American Idol, one of those things. Now That's it's right. something else. And he's another one that says hyperbole. It's it's one of the most mispronounced words in the English language, definitely. That's that's odd because I don't remember really ever hearing people say hyperbole, and certainly not in conversation. I don't know. I, I think I have heard a couple of people say it over the years. I'm just trying to think. See, I suspect that it's not that people are saying it as much as they're thinking it. Do you know what I mean? Like you see the word hyperbole written H-Y-P-E-R-B-O-L-E and you think it would be hyperbole, but you don't say it because you're not sure. This is my thought. But then what about epitome? Epitome. I've never heard. Have you ever heard of epitome? Ever, anyone ever say epitome? I've never heard epitome. It's epitome all the time. But going into the, the etymology of it, there are these words, a lot of the words with an E ending that's pronounced with an E sound are Greek. They're Greek in background. And one famous one recently was uh, Hermione, the name in uh, uh... Harry Potter. Right. That one, uh, I so so I had not read the books before I saw the movies. And uh, so I, I found out that her name was Hermione just because they said it out loud. But my my father, who I like to talk about a lot, uh was was a school teacher and and read books out loud to children and he read all of the Harry Potter books to them. My guess is he got it right, but had I done that, I certainly would have mispronounced Hermione when I got to it and probably eventually would have been laughed at by the kids who'd seen the movies. Well, in Harry Potter the Goblet of Fire, she actually gives a lesson on how to pronounce it because so many people would write in and to ask her about it. Well, that was the whole thing when she was teaching what the, the Victor Crumb had to pronounce it, because he was saying Hermoninny was, uh, wasn't that a Hermoninny <laughs> or Hermione? I forget now. I've re I read the books before I saw the film, so <laughs> I can quote them. <laughs> but 
but then you have Aphrodite as well. But this is the one that I want to ask Ross, because Ross is the Greek knowledgeable. It's Aphrodite as in goddess of love. But now the hermaphrodite, which is a combo like, you know, Hermes and Aphrodite's child. When you talk about a hermaphrodite, you don't say a hermaphrodite. Why? You don't. That's a really good one. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot, Ross. <laughs> and I'm going to answer that because it's a fairly well-known word. I mean, it's a fairly used word in Greek and Latin. And when it merged, it became hermaphroditus with an O-S ending. And then it got into Latin as hermaphroditus. And then the U-S was dropped and it became an E. The words that we're talking about came basically straight from the Greek and have the E at the end. Is that clear nice. or not? You, knew, you know your stuff, don't you? <laughs> well, Damn a little it. bit of something. <laughs> Ross, when, when you sent me this word, uh, that, well, the two of you sent me this word, you, I think you mentioned uh, something called the magic E. And can you explain what you mean by that? Okay, that's a, it's interesting. What happens in English is, if let's, let's take a word, um, dog, D-O-G. Okay, let's add an E at the end. Okay, pronounce D-O-G-E, Fletcher. I guess it's sort of like doge. Right. The E sort of magically transforms that short O into a long O sound. And it also, interestingly enough, takes the uh, hard G and makes it a soft G. The magic E basically, though, the basic job of a magic E is you chuck it at the end of a sentence, at the end of a word, if there's one consonant in between that and a vowel, and it makes that earlier vowel long. But the interesting thing is now back in older English, and like like I remember studying Chaucer, and the E was pronounced. The silent E that we have now was pronounced. I mean, because I remember getting actually critiqued when I had to recite uh, the prologue of the Canterbury Tales, and my teacher professor said I said it to Norwegian because I was really hitting that E, you know, like one that a preli with a shorte, sorte, which would now be soft is sorte. You know what I mean? So so. We've, lo we've lost that pronunciation in the old one. That's right. What happened actually was initially it would like by a bid, B-I-D, and then the long one would be bida actually. Then the vowel changed to I, bida, then the E dropped off and you have bide, B-I-D-E. It was a sort of a long process over the past couple hundred years, how the vowel changed and then the E dropped, the E was kept on it, but it was not pronounced after a while. Although there are some, there are obviously a lot of exceptions to this sort of thing. Certainly, it sounds like, uh, especially related to Greek words, Greek and some Latin. Well, the magic, the magic, yeah, exactly, and and some Japanese. Well, no, the Japanese, you're pronouncing the e, sake. Oh yeah, you are. Oh, we're talking about the magic e. Yeah, the magic e is the magic e is basically the magic e is a silent e, like Tom Lehrer, like the, the Electric Company song. Who can turn a can into a cane? Who can turn a pan into a pain? Remember that? It's not too hard to see. It's silent e. Remember that song? <laughs> and, but the exception when there's no silent e it tends to be like Kathy said, Latin, Greek, and uh, and some Japanese words too, like kamikaze. We don't say kamikaze <laughs> or kamikaze. Kamikaze, I like that. Or be karate instead of karate. Sake instead of sake. But then, and then you've got like Chipotle, which is <laughs> not Japanese. And that, that Chipotle's one, I'm sorry, I'm going a little off topic here, but Chipotle fascinates me because I never knew how to pronounce it for years. And then the chain started and I was always scared of, of, of saying it. It was like, I think I put the L in the wrong place. I'm trying to Many, think many people do that. Many, many people say Chipotle. Yeah, that's, I think automatically your brain wants to do that. 
or Chipotle was the other way I thought it might be pronounced, which is I really do feel bad. like I've heard I've heard the Brits maybe say Chipotle. Chipotle. Uh-huh. I I'm not positive about that, but that seems like something I might have heard before, and that's a great addition to what we're talking about, isn't it? And I I think I heard something. <laughs> <laughs> But, but the thing that fascinates me in talking about the E, and this is not the, quote, magic E that Ross was referring to, but in a funny way it sort of is, is the many ways that you, you use E at the end of the word. I mean, right. you have the Greek E, like hyperbole we were talking about. You have the French E, which is like uh, cachet, which is A. You have the Japanese sake, which is more like an uh, actually. Sake, I'm trying to think of that, or chipotle, that's an A. And then you have the silent E, which is nothing. I mean, he's complicated. It's absolutely true. It, it is hard, certainly, to uh, read words that you, if I were to come across the word hyperbole in, in in print and have to read it out loud. I mean, at this point, certainly I know it's hyperbole, but there's no reason at all that I would think that that was hyperbole uh, had I not specifically learned that at some point so if i were to read it out loud i i would have at some point probably mispronounced it and there's no reason to know really uh how to how to use that e at the end no it's interesting Mm -hmm. in earlier english i mean i i don't mean that early either i'm talking about the early 1900s a lot of the french words had a uh, the french words with, with an e pronounced had an accent over it cafe cliche fiance frappe macrame protege, risque, all of those had like a little uh, accent on the last E, which gave you a nice clue. But no one, I don't think today, writes resume with the the two accents at all. Well, it's too hard to type. (laughs) They are, definitely. And it does cause problems, as we talked about with Fort. Um, You know, people are, of course, pronouncing it Forte, and there's no... There's no accent to tell us one way or the other. Same with cash, C-A-C-H-E. True, exactly. Well, I mean, with cash, the E is silent, and then with uh, resume, the E is, is pronounced, too. Exactly. Right, and and since we lost the accents, at least at least in the English versions, I don't know about, about when you write it in French, but at least with English, since we've lost the accents, it's hard to know what to do with that E. Yeah, because also contextually, you might have a problem, because it, could it be resume sometimes instead of resume? I mean, it's the old joke when people would say, I have to, like, hand you my resume, ha, ha, ha. I don't know why anyone thought that was funny. But... Um, <laughs> You know, you've heard that, but but yeah, if in a sentence you might see it and think resume as opposed to resume, which would get things quite confusing. That happens to me often when I'm reading something in online, uh, and and I I don't understand what what the word resume is doing there in the middle of the sentence <laughs> until I realize it's resume. <laughs> it could cause problems. <laughs> But as I was saying to Rose earlier, what fascinated me in thinking about this, like all these books, including, I'm sorry, I just have to share this title. This is from the uh, 1800s, 10,000 Words Often Mispronounced, a revised (laughs) edition of 7,000 Words Often Pronounced with a supplement of 3,000 additional words, (laughs) a complete handbook of difficulties in English pronunciation. Now, in this book, (laughs) both, I mean, not both, but hyperbole is in there, simile is in there epitome is in there, all of those E-words. But as I said to Ross, you don't hear simile mispronounced as often as you hear epitome or hyperbole. And I'm trying to figure out why. Absolutely true. I wonder because we know similar. We automatically Ooh. know the word similar. So simile sounds sort of similar. So we don't, you know, just it's like a, it's, it's sort of homophonic. It's very close. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Maybe we also don't use it as much. I mean, I don't hear people talking about similes all that much. No. Try writing grammar books. 
But you're right, it's not as common of a word, but no, nor is hyperbole. Something I'm curious about, and maybe you've had a different experience, but when we talked about Segway, uh, we talked about how it's sort of starting to shift into being spelled S-E-G-W-A-Y. And and part of that is, is of course, the little vehicle. But I think I think that's something that maybe would have happened anyway. I don't I don't remember really seeing hyperbole spelled in a way that makes it more obvious that it's pronounced hyperbole. Like I don't I don't see it spelled hyper B O L E E or B O L E Y or B O L I E. Do you do you ever see it spelled in a way that would make people understand that it's pronounced hyperbole? Like, is the spelling starting to shift in some way? I just don't remember seeing that. I don't. It's funny that you say that, though. I'm going to throw something way off base here. One of my pet peeves, though, where spelling is now taking over the word is instead of voila, people write voila, W-A-A-H. Oh, God, don't get me started on that one. Because it looks like a voila something. (laughs) Have you seen that, Fletcher? No, I haven't. I haven't seen that in writing. No, oh, I've seen that a whole bunch of times. It drives me up the wall. I look at my wife's Facebook sometimes. You see, voila, here's a great dish or something, or voila, <laughs> I'm really mad at Trump or something. It really gets on my nerves. But going back to the hyperbole, no, I haven't. I think hyperbole is a higher level English word that people sort of stick with the spelling and then mispronounce it. Although I've got to interject now. On the opposite side, I have seen um, type cases of hyperbole. Oddly enough, you people have. writing hyperbole. And I also have to add that when I looked it up, there is now a kind of modern jazzed up bowling that has bumpers and an online game called Hyperbowling. So it's had its impact. The mispronunciation has had an impact. Oh, like bowl, B-O-W-L. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so oh now you goodness. can hyperbowl for real. In a hyperbolic way. <laughs> yeah, that sounds kind of fun. I, I'm not going to lie about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so odd. I was just thinking of the dog Doge. I mean, it just it does fascinate me just how an E is so transformative. And uh, you can don't I say think something, of it. It's, though, it's like one... a modest little letter stuck at the end of a word that changes it all, you know? One thing that does interest me is people get really annoyed when you say, well, there are these various rules in English. Well, we don't need to follow rules. We're not going to be prescriptive. But when I ask you, dog, when I ask Fletcher dog, he automatically said doge. If I ask you B-I-G, big, then add an E at the end, you automatically go bige. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Or, or you wouldn't say be gay now. And what you're doing is you're really uh, inadvertently, if you haven't been taught this rule, you're following a rule. You're following a rule that you know subconsciously. Which I think goes back to show that you do need to some degree to follow some rules in any language to, to speak correctly or just to get your commu- your point across. We do need, in other words, we need rules to some degree. And I think that proves it. This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod or email me at Powell at KMUW.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. 
The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. You can find that and Kathy and Ross Petrus's newest book, That Doesn't Mean What You Think It Means, at your local independent bookstore. Kathy and Ross have written a lot more. They're always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks. Oh, and one more thing. I don't actually have anything super clever to add this time around. Kathy and Ross covered it all pretty well. The fact is, the letter E is just complicated and can do all sorts of different things depending on why it's there and what language the word comes from. But Kathy did bring up that electric company song about the magic E, or the silent E as they refer to it in this case. And yeah, we pretty much all already know this rule, and as Ross said, it's a good example of how we actually do stick to rules in English sometimes. It's not always the Wild West out here. Anyway, that song Kathy was talking about was by Tom Lehrer, and it's good. I mean, it's Tom Lehrer. But they actually did another version of it for the updated electric company from a few years back. And this one, it's super catchy. So here you go. I'll leave you with that. And you can dance away the rest of the day with that silent E. But he's kind of sneaky, yes, Come on. I make the plan, he flies a plane. I hold the can, he carries a cane. Cook with a pan, now he's at it again. Look through my window pane. Silent E, oh, how it changes everything. Right. I shouldn't to shine what well, I don't mind.